Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Look out. It's only films to be buried with. Hello and welcome to Films to be Buried with. My name is Brett Goldstein. I am a comedian, an actor, a writer, a director, an aubergine spiralizer, and I love films. As William Barclay once said, there are two great days in a person's life. The day we are born and the day we understand why, and also the day we see Singing in the Rain for the first time, to be fair. Every week I invite a special guest over, I tell them they've died, then I get them to discuss their life through the films that meant the most to them. Previous guests include Ricky Gervais, Catherine Ryan and Leslie Headland. but this week my special guest is superstar actress, presenter, writer and activist, Jamila Jamil. Live show news. I will be performing my stand-up show from last year, What Is Love, Baby Don't Hurt Me, for one week at the Soho Theatre from May 6th to May 11th. Go to the website for tickets. It is selling well, so make sure you don't miss out. And the next live Films to be Buried With podcast will be April 7th at the Brighton Podcast Festival. And my guest will be Chabadi G himself, Mr. Asim Chowdhury. Do not miss either of these things under any circumstances. I don't want to hear your excuses. You can follow me on Twitter at Brett Goldstein and on Instagram at Mr. Brett Goldstein to keep up to date with all live shows and my stand-up gigs. If you do enjoy this show and you want to support it and get more content, come and join me over at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein, where you'll get extra guest questions, videos, guest list tickets, recommendations, all sorts of stuff. This week, there's a full extra 20 minutes of chat with Jamila, and it's so funny and great and brilliant, and you don't want to miss it, I presume. I don't know you that well, but I presume you don't want to miss it. I presume. And remember, best of all, if you do become a Patreon member, not only do you get loads of extra good stuff, you don't even have to hear this bit about becoming a Patreon member. You get the episode unencumbered by ads and me talking about stuff like this. Give it a look at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein. So here we go. Jamila Jamil is an actor from the UK who came out to LA and immediately landed a role in the frankly excellent sitcom The Good Place. And aside from being brilliant in that, she spent her time trying to change the world for the better. I was delighted to discuss some of this with her, and frankly, I think she's incredible. You're going to love this one. So that is it for now. Very much hope you enjoy episode 36 of Films to be Buried with. Hello, and welcome to a very special episode of Films to be Buried with. My name is Brett Goldstein, and I'm joined today by... An actor, a comedian, I'm calling her that, she might not call herself that, but I am, a writer, a presenter, a model, but most of all these days, most of all, most impressively of all, if I may, 
and activist. Please welcome to the show the brilliant Jamila Jamil. Hello. Can I clap myself to yes, fill the room? Okay. You should. Thank you so much for having me in your home. We are in Los Angeles. I would not say the exact location. No, it's all that anyone needs to know to know that I'm a wanker. <laughs> I've moved over. She lives in Los Angeles. I do. Where you make the sitcom NBC's The Good Place, mm-hmm. which is excellent. Thank you very much. And you spend the rest of your time... Uh, on Twitter. Saving the world. <laughs> and on Twitter. Uh, how are you? I am... Well, I'm knackered, if I'm honest, Brett. Yeah. But uh, other than that, I'm good. I'm very happy. We're about to shoot season four of The Good Place, mm-hmm. which is good, because it means I get to spend five months uh, staring at Ted Danson. Uh, and no one can stop me. No one can remove <laughs> me from the premises. Uh, and... I'm about to go on tour with my boyfriend and see the whole of America. So that's always nice to do that on a bus. It's not as glamorous as people think. Like, Almost Famous lied to all of you. Yeah. The Almost Famous never tells you about all the piss you get down your leg because you're essentially like, it's like surfing, trying to piss in your sleep, essentially on a bus, on a moving bus. Yeah. Especially in the winter months where there's like wind coming at the bus from every direction. You're like going over ice and rocks and, um, and you just, you piss down yourself every time. How many of you pissing yourselves on buses? Uh, but it's between 12 and 20, so right. a lot, it's a lot of piss. Uh, you can't yeah. poo on the bus ever. And if it's cold enough, as we learned last year, yeah. uh, the pipes freeze and the piss you do in the toilet comes up through the kitchen sink, which doesn't even make any sense. <laughs> um, what, if, what if one did need a poo? Do you have to stop the bus? You have to stop the bus and so everyone knows. Oh, God. Yeah, it's an, it's an announcement. God. And I have terrible poo shame, so, like, yeah. this isn't my me too, Let me tell you, that is literally <laughs> the only reason that I am not a rock star. Is, <laughs> is that the... <laughs> is that, I mean, you know, what, what it was hurdle. an option, but I was like, <laughs> no, if I have to stop the bus to do a poo, everyone's going to know, forget it. Yeah, it's a nightmare. It really is. Like, I, I sort of just stop eating fibre, like, three days before the tour begins. Yeah. That's it. I'm just carbs. Carbs. <laughs> carbs Straight right, syrup. That's it. Fucking <laughs> hell, you poor thing. Yeah. Um, now, you've been doing... I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the activism. Because yeah. not only do I think you're doing excellent work, but I... Well, I'm going to say it straight up. I have tremendous respect for you. I think you're incredibly brave because I can see how fucking difficult it is yeah. and how horrible people are <laughs> and how you're doing really i think good stuff thanks and you're you're not trained you know this is a thing you've no i think we can all tell decided I'm not trained. To, uh... <laughs> to you're passionate about and you want to help and i don't know how you psychologically keep up with it when i see i and i'm not you but i see enough of the negative side of what you're doing of what comes to your way yeah I think that's the from being the insider and being a friend you can see it more clearly than other people do I think other people think I'm just sort of collecting checks and living it out but actually (laughs) you lose quite a lot of money in being an activist because people you know sometimes don't want to work with you and you can't get brand endorsements for like I could make a shit ton of money off of uh, weight loss teas if I wanted to, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, I mean, people just think about, don't ever think about the amount of money you're giving up. And also that it's so time consuming and it can be a little bit soul destroying at times, but generally it's worth it. Like I'm really in this for the long haul and I was genuinely affected by a lot of the things that I now fight against, including the fact that I was disabled as a child. I was deaf until I was 12. 
I um, was in a wheelchair. Yeah, I went to a special needs school huh. uh, until I was 11. Had a big operation when I was 12, and this doctor called Dr. Valentine, who I'll never forget. Uh, uh, I could you with that name. Yeah, he managed to take skin from somewhere else in my body and like put it in my eardrum. And do you remember the eardrum. moment you heard for the first uh, time? Well, I'd heard, I'd gone through periods of hearing after I'd had like seven operations throughout my childhood, and so I'd either be half deaf or totally deaf, half deaf, totally deaf, and so uh. I would go for like months and months or years with no hearing and then some hearing, and it was just uh, it was a very very discombobulating time, but also. I am glad that it happened because it's meant that I have become a more observant person, I think, because if you lose one of your senses, your other senses really do heighten, uh, which also means that I can, like, smell a fart at a million places. Like, so it's a, it's a gift and a curse. This bass uh, is a real problem. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a nightmare. It's all men as well. Uh, but um, <laughs> what was I saying? Yeah, so, so that experience sort of gifted me with quite a lot of empathy and then also being uh hit by a car into another car and breaking my back when i was 17 been that we've known each other for years we did not tell me the backstory <laughs> <laughs> never uh, did, we never did previously that's, really true, that's true that's true that's true that's enough came to catch in up on with season now. four like oh, i'll catch up <laughs> i'll work it out turns out it's so, been like the fucking wouldn't wire wouldn't it be amazing if i was just making this up for your podcast yeah, yeah. I, I have no way of knowing so yeah so i uh really uh, damaged my back unbelievably badly and couldn't walk again for over a year. So, you know, I've experienced different types of disability. I was bullied for being Pakistani uh, mm. in a in a time in England where they only really wanted our food, but not our yeah, presence, yeah. you know. Uh, yeah. And so I was also a chubby teenager who was bullied very badly for being chubby, who then became anorexic. So everything I'm fighting for now is actually very on brand. Uh, It's all things that I have actually lived through. Uh, And so I'm just trying to, I think the reason I've become so aggressive now is that I'm thinking about maybe one day having children. Right. It's, you know, I'm going to freeze some eggs at some point and just like, you know, put them in the freezer, leave them there. Yeah, yeah, in my my house. Um, And so I'd like to not bring them into the world as it is now. That's Sorry fair. to anyone who's listening who has currently just brought someone into the world. Um, but Stick them in the like freezer. To, we'll like sort to, it out. We'll tell you. I'd just like to actively try to change it and affect And change. did it sort of, uh, all this stuff, it just sort of happened? As in, you were starting to be vocal about some things and then it became like, it sort of snowballed? No, or no. did you actively go, I want to now start? affecting change no it's worse and sadder than that i've been fucking talking about this for seven years like there is there are speeches or like talks that i've given on this like literally that go back on youtube six or seven years i released plus size clothing lines i've been like i've gone and spoken with the government over this sort of stuff it's just that because i was chubby at the time it wasn't taken as seriously because we don't listen to people when they are fat because we say that they're just bitter and jealous. The sadness that seven years later, when I'm still saying this stuff, but I'm slim again because I'm no longer on the medication that made me bigger, means that now everyone's listening as if I've suddenly just started talking about this out of nowhere. I've just pulled it out of my arsehole. And so that's the biggest problem. I think that's the biggest problem that some people have, that only people who criticise me are people who would just think that I don't have a place talking in this and I've just picked this up recently as some sort of new form of like performative wokeness. So I've been talking about this for years. But that is the problem with our system. When you are big, we say you can't talk about it because you're jealous. And when we're small, you say you can't talk about it because you're small. So you don't have any right to talk about this situation. And so, therefore, whoever gets to talk about it, what a clever way to silence everyone. Mm. 
So, no, I've been doing this for a long time. It just sort of kicked off because of the platform I have from The Good Place. And it's scary, but I think, I think I've made it too embarrassing to sell uh, laxative teas. And so I think if that's my Listen, dying if that's legacy, your legacy yeah. if that is my legacy, I'm fine with that. That's so if I've, cute. If I've mortified everyone out of hurting people, I think sometimes that's the best way, yeah. rather than just bullying. Making it so humiliating <laughs> to partake in something is the best way. Yeah. I've shamed everyone out of doing it. Did it start with the tour bus? You were like, well, no one on this bus is taking laxativity. You know what? It did start on a tour bus. <laughs> yeah, a year ago, I saw that post of the Kardashians where all their numbers were written across their, their bodies, and I was like, oh, I bet that's how much money they've made. <laughs> so I clicked on it so I could feel jealous. And then yeah. it wasn't. It was, it was how much they weigh. And I was like, Jesus oh, wow. Christ, you'd never see a picture of men with how much they weigh written on it, ever. Yeah. I can't even contemplate it. So I just wrote what I weigh on a post which was I weigh myself and my achievements and my attributes and my relationship and my friends and all these different things and I posted that out not expecting anyone to even respond yeah and I got maybe 30,000 posts back from women so I had to start an Instagram account just in order to put them somewhere and I thought that would fizzle out I thought it'd be like the ice bucket challenge you know we'd have a weekend (laughs) and then everyone would just sort of fuck off and um it's still going time. and now we have like 350,000 followers on Instagram we've turned it into a company like it's a legit thing where we're being able to try and change laws and it just came out of just a like a, a day of boredom on the bus that meant I was scrolling I was going deep into Instagram I pressed that that awful button called the explore oh, button yeah, have you seen yeah, this yeah. and it's just it's like the wild west for your self-esteem <laughs> yeah. so yeah it was like this this stretch of my activism just came from a moment of yeah you can't there's nothing else you can do you can't even wank on the bus like it's just like it's yeah. just curtains separating you so because you were not allowed to wank on a bus yeah future generations are going world. to be yeah. <laughs> I mean I guess music is powerful yeah. after all um so you uh are, is this going okay by the way? oh yeah this is Sorry. an excellent film podcast so. <laughs> All the, all the film fans Let's are going. talk about films because, okay. you know, I worked in a video like shop films? for four... I, I worked in a video shop for, for four years because I'm such a big movie buff. And Which video shop? Uh, Vidbiz in Hampstead. All right. So I had, like, Ricky, Is that where you grew up? Ricky and Stephen Merchant, like, coming yeah. in. I had, like, uh, what did they Jamie get? What Oliver. Did they get? Great comedies and, like, old uh, comedies and Neil Simon stuff. And, and I miss video shops so much. And I worked yeah, at one just too. because it was an excuse to get paid to watch five films a day. Oh, great. And you got to be surly and cool like clerks. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, and you got a kind of, like, insight into people's lives and you would watch people hook up with each other, as in, like, you know, spot each other there, there on a Friday night. It was a great pick-up oh, really? join. Was you it? know, it was just, ugh, it was the, still to this day, I'm sorry, Ted Danson, still to this day the best job I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I, I think I only did it because of clerks and also because uh, Quentin Tarantino had had said he worked in a video yeah. shop, so I was like, "Well, that's what I've got to do." So you, but you were like, "That's what I got to do." What so I can make films? Like no, 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 no. My end goal was uh, the video shop. Just, I was like, all right, you got it. Yeah, one day I'll manage. That was okay. it. Like, and that was that was all I needed. Just the idea right. of watching films all, t- all the time because I was a really, I was a really lonely and unpopular kid, and I just wasn't very good at making friends. I was a very like strange and studious child, and I think my deafness had like left yeah. me quite awkward and without quite a lot of social skills and also made me very starey because right. you see you have to rely on the eyes so i <laughs> i'm still to this day quite starey and yes, it can be are. quite um 
quite alarming yeah. to people who don't know why. <laughs> and so I think none of those things were going in my favour. Uh, and so film was my escape. And so therefore I find it to be quite a, I think it is a glorious and uh, just wonderful job to do to work in entertainment. And I know it gets a bad rep and, and sometimes people take it a little bit too seriously. Yeah. But you're, you're, you're giving people a, like a time out from their lives and sucking yeah. them into fantasy. And that's so noble to me. It would be nice if, you know, more noble things had happened on set all these years. But uh, it's, it, I, love, I love the magic of it. And so, yeah, yeah I used to, and um, we had a porn section in the video shop because that was, the, you know, the good old days, pre-internet. Yeah. And so, uh, or pre-Pornhub. And I would booby trap the porn section so that if you so much as fucking grazed, if you breathed too hard near it, the whole thing would collapse and come down. Amazing. And so I had uh, any any poor bastard, celebrity or not celebrity, I will not name the celebrities who I busted with that, but it would just almost announce perv to the entire video shop because everyone would whip around. My dad had a bookshop and when I was young I like worked there. Yeah. When I was like, not not too young and too young to work there, too young. Well, it was slave labour. Anyway, <laughs> I worked there, and uh, there was a video section, yeah. and I was like put in charge of alphabetizing the video section. But there was a video section, but there was also the adult bit. And the adult bit was only one shelf's worth. Right. And I remember to this day because I still feel hot shame that the guy who was the manager said to my dad. He took five times as long to do the adult section, even though it was... <laughs> only one shelf. <laughs> only one shelf. I don't oh, think that's God. probably true. But it's a different, you know, when, when everything's triple X, that's hard to alphabetise, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. And, you know, there are uh, also very exciting film covers, I remember. In Diana Jones, wonderful Indiana film Day. cover. Yeah. I'll never forget that. That was a beauty. It sold really well at the video shop. Yeah, after um, they picked it up off the floor. Do you know I got fired? I got fired <gasps> because... Because I, well, I love, I love ice cream, right? Okay. <laughs> and that's why I got fired, because one day I was left to, like, manage the store <laughs> and for, like, a couple of weeks, and I, uh, I ate all of the haagen that was in our fridge. So every single one, maybe 50 tubs, and then panicked <laughs> at the end of this. I don't know what I thought I was doing. Like, I was just going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And I'd been told for years that our CCTV didn't work and it was just yeah. there for show, which I now realise was a genius way of getting the employees to just relax <laughs> at work. And so uh, at the end of the week, I just I, yeah. I planned to tell them that the refrigerator had broken, which it had in the past, and so I had to throw all the hugging bells away. Definitely but they came back and I had, like, acne and I was sort of £20 heavier. <laughs> <laughs> and... <laughs> and uh, they made me stand there while they played back the tape of me going back and forth. <laughs> they did it in fast forward, so I'm just manically at speed going back and forth from the video. Shop refrigerators, I finished one after the other after the other. Uh, I got fired for, like, what is literally theft. They literally said, we have to let you go because you ate all the hugs. I ate, like, sort of... $700, yes, $700 quid worth of <laughs> I don't know that kind of money. That's a good amount. Yeah, lost me my career. Yeah. Fuck now now, now I've got to work in front of the camera. Now you're stuck being a Hollywood actor and activist when you could have been running VidBiz. Yeah, I, I, there's no, I have no, there, don't shit talk VidBiz, all right? No, that, was still, that was a great time. I feel your regret. Okay, I still think video shops are like the saddest thing that we lost. Yeah. Because of the internet. I agree. Are you still like looking around? 
And also, it's commitment, isn't it? You buy a video, you've got to watch it. Yeah. You're not going to watch something you can just There was a ceremony to it, you know, and then you'd see a film that you'd plan on renting out when it was available. Like, it was just, it was was a sense of community and you can make friends like that. People getting together in the video shop. Yeah. Would it be like someone on their own and then someone on side 11 going, Bert Lucci? Yeah, exactly. Exactly (laughs) that. And they would... Oh, I touched my mic, sorry. Yeah, it was exactly that. They, uh... They would just sort of, they would use someone else's film taste as a reason to approach them. I love it. And it was fresh. It was great. It was so yeah. easy. It was so much easier than Tinder. Like yeah. just picking someone off an app. Finding someone who's got the same taste in film as you is a huge bonding element between people. Like yeah. I, I find out so much about my friends via their films, which is why I wanted to do this fucking podcast. Um, I forgot to tell you something. Okay, go on. Because it's, it's not actually the podcast. It's just for a chat. No, a chat? I haven't started recording yet. Uh, I forgot to tell you, and it's really bad that I haven't told you. Gone. I should have told you when I got here, actually, and I feel bad because okay, you've been doing such good work and everything, and like season four is about to. That's terrible. Yeah. I'm just gonna have to tell you. I mean, it's, it's not great. I'm okay. afraid, but um, yeah. what is it? Just spit it out. All right, uh, you've died. You died. Oh no. I'm so sorry. <gasps> sorry. I'm dead. You're dead. How did you die? How did I die? I don't know, you tell me. I, uh, I ate until my stomach exploded. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, it was like the grand, the grand bouffe uh, death. You know where I actually did one of their deaths and I farted my way off a balcony. Really? Which is the most iconic death of all time in film. You farted your way... He sort of farts his way off a balcony and that's yeah. exactly how I died. With, with this balcony? Yeah, my balcony. Oh, my God. Yeah. So you ate... So what happened was... You'd finally made enough money you could afford $700 yeah. of Hagen Dad. And I did it again. You ate it all, filmed yourself, yeah. sent it to VidBiz, like, fuck you, and then farted yourself off the balcony. Farted my way off the balcony and, and died. died. Tragedy. Yeah. So how do you feel about death? Well, it's a great death, to be fair. The problem I mean, with that death, if I, may, okay, if I may on. say, is the only downside Are you critiquing to it, my death? No, I love your death. What I'm saying is a very memorable death, a great death. But farting yourself off the balcony... <laughs> will be what you're remembered for more than the activism and changing the world, sadly. <laughs> That's the downside of this death. It but doesn't I've matter how known, much good you did. I've always known I'd have an embarrassing death. I've the woman always who known. Yeah, to I death. knew it would be like <laughs> like, you know, I, I it wouldn't it was never gonna be a wanking death, but it was gonna no, be well, something it was gonna be it was gonna be sandwich on a toilet level, like iconically yeah. humiliating death. And I've lived an iconically humiliating life. And yeah. so that that is the only the poetry of ending in that way just makes me happy. And so actually I'm glad about the way that I went and I stand by it and may yeah. that be my legacy. It's true to who I am. <laughs> she died as she Gassy. lived, farting herself <laughs> yeah. off a balcony, whilst eating $700 of Hagen Dad. Did you? Do you worry about death? No. Not at all? Not at all. Not bothered? No, not bothered at all. No, I've like... Take it or leave it. I've met Ted Danson. Yeah. <laughs> I've met Larry David. Yeah, I have, uh, I've met Gloria Steinem. Like, wow. I've just, That's like, the holy trinity. Yeah, so I've met Whoopi Goldberg. Like, what? there's like, I, there's no, I've done it all. I've had all the things that I needed to happen. Yeah. Um, no, I just, I've never really been afraid of it. I think I've also sort of literally stared death in the face sometimes. Yeah. Uh, a couple of times I've had a, a couple of really big uh, near-death experiences and it just didn't seem that bad. So I don't yeah. know what's wrong with me. I have also, to be fair, packed in quite a lot in my life. Yeah. And so I think it, I think sometimes fear of death can come from regret and sometimes fear of death can come from pain. And I've already been hit by a car into another car. 
Yeah. So I feel like I'm not afraid of pain anymore. I've right. also had like had kidney stones for like 90 days Are last year. No, it was really, really bad. Like you just crossed your legs in a way that meant that you fully secured your dick. Yeah. Uh, As if you could it. give yeah. me kidney stones <laughs> from across um, the room. And so no, so pain doesn't scare me, and regret doesn't scare me because I, you know, I read Danny Wallace's Yes Man right. when I was 19 years old, and that, have you read that book? No, but it's I. It's an I incredible book. It changed yes. my life, uh, and right. it's about this depressed man that decides one day to say yes to everything. Mm-hmm. And other than anal, I have kind of lived by that. Why are you? And I you... just like, I don't know if it's my poo shame or okay. if it's like. Also, I have a tiny anus. It's tight. It's like a cat's bum, uh, and so. I mean, okay. Uh, I just, I, I just, it's just not for me. You know, um, I respect and love to all those who partake, yeah. but I just, I, I'm not. It's not for you unless you did it with a cat. Yeah, yeah. I would let another cat. <laughs> no. You heard it. Here, uh, oh God, that's out there now, isn't it? That's yeah. in the ether. Um, <laughs> I... That's the pull quote. <laughs> oh God, let's talk about film. Um, but uh, other than that, I have seized so many opportunities yeah. in my life and done so many wild things. Like I was an English teacher when I was 22 who got scouted by a man in a pub who said, you're funny, you should be on TV. There's a woman called Alexa Chung who's leaving and going to America. Oh, you really could take her job. Happening. And so uh, he gave me an email address and I was like, ah, no, 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 I don't want to... I don't want to be on television. Um, and he was like, oh, £1,000 a day. And I was like, cool, cool, cool. Went home and emailed him that night. Uh, got a call back and went in, did the audition and a week later got the job. Having no experience whatsoever yeah. with television or show business or anything. Uh, not even like a drama school. And then three years after that, they were like, I, I was asked if I'd like to try live radio because they liked my columns in Cosmo. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went... F- up for the audition and I got the job and started my own show a week later live on the fucking BBC Radio 1 airwaves having no experience having no training just kind of figuring it out as I went along trying to take what I used to write and put it out on the air and then I moved at 29 to America out of nowhere for no reason uh, other than the fact that I was cold and sort of tired yeah of England and had a health scare that was a sort of kick up the bum to be like okay got to remember only got one of these lives Moved to America. To kick up the cat's anus. Yeah, and got asked if I wanted to audition for this TV show, um, which was for a, an annoying, overly tall English woman from Pakistan, which is essentially, I mean, they must have just seen me on TV in England and <laughs> written the role for me. Went up for that and became an actor, having never acted before. So I, while 100% I acknowledge I've lived a charmed existence of being off, having things mm-hmm. that sort of fall in my lap, it's also terrifying. It's a fucking terrifying burden to be given a really huge responsibility mm. and to be given that shot because you you are not experienced you have no idea what you're doing and someone is cat people hundreds of people are counting on you there are so many people in these studios who work so hard on these shows yeah. and and the public rip you to shit shit like you've seen it before with mm. with famous people so to try and like avoid being massacred uh, in the public is really is really something that terrified me so I've had to really wrestle and just sort of murder my ego do you uh, uh, think there's enough to learn oh uh no do you Sorry. think all this stuff that's happened to you it is an amazing life you've had and mm. all these things that happened like first time first time man says come and do this job you do the job first time yeah. radio do it first time tv show do it it's a life lived in the deep end do you believe in some sort of spiritual thing that's like, oh, you're here for a reason and these things, you're a puppet of the, the light or something. 
I don't think I'm a puppet of the light, um, but I would say that I do like the idea of karma. Right. Uh, mostly because I'm Patan, which is a certain part of Pakistan where uh, we live for revenge. And so I like the revenge part of karma of the universe, taking revenge oh, really? on bad people. But I do also believe that maybe if karma does exist, it also works for the good. Right. And all this terrible shit happened to me for the first 20 years of my life. Very, very bad first two decades. Yeah. Like absolutely, totally didn't, twatted. Didn't watch the first few seasons. It was yeah. too depressing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, twatted myself. Uh, but... So I, th- I feel like, especially after the amount of like times I almost got killed or like got hurt <laughs> yeah. and uh, treated badly, the universe for the last 10 years has just been like, I feel like this is one of like, this is a payoff. Yeah. Tr- this, is, this is silence money. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. They're, they're trying to make me uh, just hush hush about the first, first couple of right. uh, rounds. I love it. And so that's what I think is happening. I think the universe just keeps giving me all this shit to shut me up. And then you think death. Blackout. Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. No consciousness, nothing. No, I do. Yeah, I don't, I don't believe in that. And, you know, like, I'm not omniscient. I can't say whether it does or does not exist for sure. But I haven't yet seen any proof of it. And movies about it do scare the living shit out of me, uh, which means that some part of my brain is entertaining it. But I just don't think about that. And I think that there's a danger in thinking about that because then you... You're, you're leaving yourself this extra allocated space of time in which you could get stuff done. And I prefer just getting stuff done now yeah, and living yeah. it all now and not like having this sort of like block of ta- extra time later. And so like, oh, I'll see them again in the afterlife. <laughs> like, no, yeah. I'm going to see them now. I'm going to see Brett now. Yeah, that's why we're doing I'm this. I'm going to wait till we both go to hell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is um, where we will hang out for eternity. Yeah, I knew you knew that when I said puppet of the light and you were like, well, I don't think it's of the light. No, yeah, it's the dark. That is, the, uh, that is pitch black. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, guess what? What? There is an afterlife. You oh. idiot. Oh, sorry. Oh, you look like a fool now turning up at heaven. Everyone going like, oh, she said we weren't around. Heaven is just podcasts. Heaven is, it? well, in this heaven, yeah. it's actually very nice. Okay. I think you'll have a lovely time. And they're obsessed with films. Mm. I think you'll have a lovely time. Is it Vidbiz? It's basically a giant That is my Vidbiz. heaven. Yeah. And there's an unlimited hagen does. Okay. You do have to pay for it, though. And <laughs> <laughs> you have to be honest. They, they work on a sort of, uh, what's that thing they do? Uh, trust bar? Is that what it's called? Oh, yeah. yeah. Like a trust bar with the hagen does. <laughs> and, and I'll be honest, they don't trust you. <laughs> They've seen how you die. So just keep an eye out. Anyway, what all they want to know is about your life yeah. through film. So the first thing they ask you is, what is the first film that you remember seeing? Uh, the first film I ever saw was The Terminator. Fucking great. <laughs> that has never happened. I swear to God. My brother is nine years older than me, yeah. and which is still too young to watch. Is the, it just the two of you? Yeah. You and your brother? Yeah, so that's okay. nine. Uh, so that's <laughs> so you're zero. not okay either. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, and he had a VHS of The Terminator mm. and Beverly Hills Cop, which is an old Eddie Murphy movie, which uh, every other word is fuck. It's like yeah. a two-on-two by Zelia Banks. It's sort of that same <laughs> level of language. And so we just watched those two films back-to-back, and it made me a foul-mouthed, violent two-year-old. So people who say that it doesn't impact your brain, like what you yeah. see, on, they're dumb. They're just dumb. I tried to kill my dad when I was two, and I 100% attribute that to The Terminator. He was lying on top of my mum, giving her a kiss uh, on the floor, 
just sort of like they were just sort of like having a little smooch, okay. sort of listening to records in the living room. That's nice. And I walked up from behind them with what was thank God a toy hammer <gasps> and smashed him on the head. Oh my like God. legit tried to kill him. I was two. I would have been the youngest ever murderer. And I that's because this... all I was seeing was just violence and robots and then Eddie Murphy just go fuck, fuck, fuck. So my <laughs> first word was fuck. Was it really? That was my first word. Oh, that's great. It wasn't just Eddie's fault. My my dad said it in the front of the car uh, in traffic and I just, I'd been hearing that Eddie saying it for ages and I just felt ready to try it out. But that was my first film and so I, and we watched them all the time. That's great. And did your, so your mum and dad didn't sort of care or notice or? Yeah, just sort of like, like just, just sort like... of quite a free household and great. you know, so it's just sort of, also I don't, I don't know how much they knew to yeah. be honest, because my brother was babysitting me. Oh, I see. And so I really, like, I fully just blame him. But we had a great time. <laughs> yeah. And we had an amazing childhood together of just, like, through film. But it was just deeply, deeply inappropriate film. <laughs> I mean, it might have also been... Tom and Jerry hit each other with hammers. I, I think this time... I didn't watch any Disney it. films. I didn't right. watch any cartoons. It was literally Arnold. Yeah. I think I watched The Little Mermaid. That was the only thing I watched as a child. And we were like, Disney. this is so lame. I was like, this Where's is the shit. Yeah. <laughs> no blood. Uh, Do you remember no your first cinema? Good. My first cinema experience was Jumanji. Ah, oh, great. And I will never forget that, ever. And Where? that is truly... That was in Swiss Cottage Odeon. Love it. And uh, I, that moment where that lion jumps down the staircase, I just... I've never, I thought I was going to, I thought I'd left my body. Uh, I truly did. Like, it felt like a religious experience or something. I like, I'd astrally projected out of my skin because I, I've never seen anything that scary or such an impactful, extraordinary film. And it really holds up. I watched it again yeah. recently. I can't believe how good that film is and how amazing the effects are. Yeah. Because a lot of films just are appalling science, mm. sort of uh, sci-fi effects. Yeah, CGI. Yeah. Yeah, CGI. Yeah, I know the text. word because I'm in film. Yeah, CGI. It's so yeah, no, I know, I know. Uh, the new one is fucking brilliant. Have is you it? Seen the new one? No, I couldn't bear to. I Mate, was discriminating against it. It's a five star. It's a really, really, really good. Okay. Really funny. I do love The Rock. Like I want to be the Pebble, which is just a less uh, rich version of him. <laughs> so I'm just dying to get in a film with him or do That's something. Good. Um, what is the film God. that made you cry the most? I've got two. Okay. Terms of Endearment really oh. killed me. Yeah. Because this woman's life is just so devastating and hard all the way through. And it sort of starts as this relationship between this man and this woman, this fraught, awful relationship between this man and this woman, and this man is being unfaithful to her. But then it becomes really about her relationship with her crazy mother. Mm. And uh, Shirley MacLaine's performance in that film just when she's trying to get her daughter who's got cancer, drugs, and she completely loses it in the hospital scene. And I haven't seen this film in, like, 20 years, and I still remember it as if yeah. I'm watching it right now while talking to you. Uh, and the reaction of her little boys when she dies almost killed me. Like, I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't ever watch it again because mm. the grief was so impactful. So I think that was, the, that was the worst cry I've ever had in a film. There is also E.T., but I know that I everyone say, talks that's about your E.T. ET. Yeah, I know. Everyone, everyone talks about E.T. Now, I, I, and E.T. was a really bad one for me as well, but um, mostly because it showed me quite young how peculiar I was, which is that I was... We had it on VHS mm. at the house. I was shown it, and I sobbed my eyes out. 
And then because I was, by the age of five, I'd already internalised British shame around uh, showing emotion. I insisted that my mother let me watch it again and again and again and again in a row until I could watch it without crying. So I watched it seven times in a row. My God. Like, until the middle of the night. And then you were cured? No, I cried every single time. I was exhausted, <laughs> I was exhausted went to sleep and gave up, never watched it again. So it was like but, someone, but your mum making you smoke cigarettes. Yeah, can you imagine a five-year-old, like, or mm. finding so much shame in crying and thinking that it's such a weak thing to do that I watched that film seven times in a row yeah. to try and make sure that I was strong enough to not cry? <laughs> like, what a psycho. Yeah, I mean, that's what, it I, was just, that's what I was thinking about. I wasn't going to say it. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah, but... Listen, not a psycho, because you weren't. You never cured yourself of it. If that's you true. said to me, and after the second one, I was unmoved. No, I'd be for like, sure. You're a psycho. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, no, it never, it never went away. Like I couldn't. That film, it's like, it's just not possible. Mm. It broke me. Okay. But still, still, the cry wasn't as impactful. I, I literally cannot watch that film ever again. Dance with Demon. Yeah, I've had to close that door, the door yeah. on that film. It's that's an extraordinary true. film, and it's very funny and. Uh, very, very moving, but it's it's too much. Have you seen A Monster Calls? No. It's, I mean, it's a very, I mean, that's a crier. And it's okay. got a bit that reminds me of Times of Endearment, and I'm right. basically just warning you. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Stadsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Never see it. Okay, okay so okay, cool. Okay, cool. what is the film that scares you the most? Scared my, you? My girl. My girl? Yeah, it hugely, like, it ruined the rest of my life. And I want to sue Macaulay Culkin because of that film. Because you're scared of him or scared of bees? Scared of bees. Right. It scared, it scared me. I, I'm more afraid of bees than anything else in the world, like more than murder, more yeah. than rape, more than anything, truly. I'm more afraid of it. Like, my instinctive reaction of, like, if I hear a faint buzzing sound every hair on my body stands on end because of fucking my girl and I got hit by the car that hurt my back because I saw a bee on the same side of the road as me and I was more afraid of that than I was of the traffic that I ran into willingly to avoid the fucking bee and then fucking fast forward 10 years I mean that devastated me it completely disabled me and like I lost my education had to be taken out of school I've still not ever been educated so I've got up to to 16 of education and that's it and then uh, and debilitated me took me out of all kind of like social circles (laughs) that was it like gone everything over for for like a year and a half where I couldn't move and then 10 years later this is actually during season one of The Good Place happened again driven by bees 
into the road again and hit by a car again. You got hit by another yeah. car when yeah. you were making because a good Because of bees. Yeah. I went for a jog because I'd just started season one of The Good Place and I was really tired all the time. Yeah. And Ted Danson was like 70 and was fine. So he just told me that I should exercise because it was unacceptable to be 30 and exhausted perpetually. Yeah. So I decided to go for a jog and I was on this road that you can see in front of me. It's La Cienega. Way down there, this giant road. Yeah. And it's got six lanes of traffic three on either side, and in the middle of it was a little traffic stop, traffic island. I am going for this jog, and because I'm very tall, I must have disturbed... There was a tree on this traffic island. I must have disturbed a branch on the tree. I stand there, waiting for the light to change so I can cross, and a black cloud descends upon me. And it's too... It's so dark that I can't even see what's happened. It's like Independence Day dark, you know, where it's just sort of like crept over you really quickly. So I pull my headphone out and it's the loudest buzzing you've ever heard. There's no way to describe the sound of a swarm of bees. And I had an actual swarm of bees all over me. And thankfully I had gone out running dressed like a ninja or like Kenny. So all you could see was like, my neck, it sort of looked like, it's quite vaginal. Like it's just like a slit of my face is all you could see. And I am... I had to run into traffic, got hit by a car. Uh, thankfully, it was slowing down because they saw a woman running, right. covered in bees. And so they sort of slowed down to a halt, hit me, stopping, um, still just like messed up my knees. My knees still hurt to <laughs> this very day, three years later. Um, I went down, the bees came down with me. I got back up. I ran for my life. I ran for maybe 10 minutes and they kept chasing me, like yeah. relentless. I'm so far away from the hive, like leave it alone. Just leave me alone. Yeah. And so I run down a street called Third and there's this place called Toca Madera, which is like this sort of like quite hip happening taco joint yeah. and people standing outside smoking. And I literally made the decision, the actual decision to run into them with all the bees because they were smoking. And I, my, my instant brain, my evil brain, yeah. is why I hope there isn't an afterlife because I'd go straight to hell. Yeah. was like, well, they're smoking, so they already don't care about their lives. So I, uh, I took all these bees to these people and <laughs> crawled down on the ground. And the bees just sort of descended upon everyone. And I crawled into the nearest juice bar and sat and watched. Cigarettes flying everywhere, handbags going everywhere, everyone screaming, people definitely getting stung. It's because of me. I'm so sorry if, if you were there, but, you know, smoking does kill. So I think we've all learned a lesson here. Yeah, smoking does kill you with bees. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, My Girl. My Girl, my girl is, the, is the film that scared me in a way yeah. that has impacted the rest of my life. I've had CBT. I've had EMDR. Like, nothing can shake this We fear, need you to make harrowing. peace with bees because otherwise they are going to kill gonna you. I'm going to die. Yeah, it's Final Destination. Who yeah. has a bee car related near-death experience twice, twice in 10 years? You. Yeah, me. Fucking hell. Yeah. Bloody hell. Bloody hell, mate. Right. Yeah. What is the film that uh, people think is shit? Generally, people don't like this film, but you're like, I don't care what you say. This film's brilliant. I love Serendipity. <laughs> <laughs> and I know that that doesn't make me cool, but I love that film. And I love Jeremy Piven and John Cusack's relationship in that film. That, to me, is the true love of yeah. that film when people yeah. miss that. Like, so Kate Beckinsale's great, but fuck Kate Beckinsale. It's this bromance that takes place throughout this film. It's so funny, it's warm, it sort of plays with the idea of fate, which is something I inherently don't believe in, so the fact that they were able really? to make me care about that and just sort of want that for him, I thought was, I thought was a great rom-com that massively gets slept on and shat on, really. You don't believe in fate, despite the fact that you were made to watch My Girl so that you would keep nearly dying from a bit. <laughs> yeah, I don't. <laughs> I don't. Ah, lovely answer, Serendipity. Yeah, I think it's a great movie. It's very yeah. funny. And I don't know it's... why it wasn't sort of 
Why people isn't that? hate them. Yeah, why do people hate it? There's I don't wrong know. With it. That and Martha Meet Frank, Daniel and Lawrence, like two oh, yeah. hugely slept on films. I thought that was an incredible film. I, thought I remember Rufus that Sewell, very well. Yeah, Rufus Sewell was unbelievable. So was um, Tom Hollander. Yeah. And that was his like, big breakout role for and both Ray, of them. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Joseph yeah, Joseph Fiennes. was fine. But like, <laughs> it's all about uh, Rufus Sewell and um, Tom Hollander. What happened to that woman? What's her name? Rachel oh, Monica? Um, Monica. 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 Something. Monica. Yeah. Monica. Monica. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say Lewinsky. It's not her. So it's a different Monica. Um, <laughs> I don't know where she went. I think she looked too much like Julia Monica Roberts. Monica Potter. Yeah, she looked too much like Julia Roberts. It was creepy. Right. And so people were just like, we've already got one. Kind of too. She's a spitting image. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that's what happened with her. But uh, that was an incredible film. Very funny, very warm, slept on. I, I love that you've said that. I'd forgotten that that film love existed. Love that film, It's yeah. all come flooding back. Lovely film. Thank you. Uh, what is a film, on the other hand, that you used to love? You used to love it. And yeah. then you've watched it recently and you've gone, oh, no, this does not hold up. I still think this is a very good film. Yeah. But I'm going to take a swipe, controversially, yeah. at Bridget Jones' Diary because I took into I watched Ooh, it again yeah. this year, and I was like, "This woman is not fat." But <laughs> 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 like, I didn't know that yeah. twenty years ago when I watched it. Like, I believed what she was telling me. She was like, "I'm fat, I'm fat, I'm fat." Everyone around her in the films like, "You're fat, you're fat, you're so fat." You know, it was the '90s where everyone was size zero, so I really believed. I was like, "I," you know, I, I digested that as the film being about a fat woman. Yeah, it's such a fat phobic film, and on top of the fat phobia that's in it, she's a small person. Like, she's smaller than I am now. <laughs> I just got incredibly toned. She's got an incredible figure. Like, she's a normal, a normal woman, and yeah. the central theme of the entire film is how can this, this sort of uh, unlovable being, find love? So bizarre. Yeah. So I'd like, I object to Bridget's own diary <laughs> for making me think I was fat because I was being told she was fat. Yes. She's not fucking fat. She's not fat. No. It's ridiculous. It's, it's, it's still a very funny film that yeah. is very, it's still enjoyable to watch, but that is such a tremendous flaw that I can't take it seriously anymore. I uh, think the other problem with that film is her friend's characters are incredible. They're sort of not... One of them is gay and like that's it. Like that's the yeah, yeah, yeah. that's his thing. Like what, what can we give this guy? Well, he's, he's gay, but what does he do? Uh, uh, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> and the and his that's her, very true. Her, her, her her female friend is I can't remember what her thing is. She's she's just like neurotic and and perpetually alone. Perpetually alone. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So one is gay, one is alone. That's it. Yeah, a gay, a gay and a mess. Um, yeah. yeah, but we did get to finally like see the real Hugh Grant. Yeah, and for that we're always grateful. Exactly. You know the baked beans throwing at paparazzi version of Hugh Grant, the legend that is yeah. Hugh Grant. Also, if I may stand by an underrated film, I think Bridget Jones: The Edge of Reason, the second film, is excellent, and that is the, it is a great film, the most hated of all the Bridget Joneses. Yeah. She's still not fat, so also no. angry with that one. <laughs> but she does mushrooms and she gets put in prison. I think it's really funny, good set pieces. It is. It goes a little bit... It's, it does a little bit what Sex and the City 2 does, which just pushes it that little bit too far. But it was still funny and yeah. an enjoyable watch. It's the serendipity of the British Islands films. <laughs> uh, this next question is my favourite one. Uh, I say this every time, and it makes me think, why don't I put this question at the end? But I never okay. do. The question is this. What is the film that means the most to you? Not necessarily the film itself is any good. The film might be average or shit. But 
there is a particular memory you have associated with that film. It might have been the first date you went on, it might have been the day you got a job, it might have been the day someone died, but you'll always remember this film for that reason. Bridesmaids. Bridesmaids had the biggest impact of me in the moment, uh, on me, uh, in the moment, because it was the first time I'd ever seen anything like that. I couldn't mm. believe my eyes. It felt like it felt like a part of me that had been asleep woke up because I'd never believed that women would ever really be allowed to lead in comedy and could ever be seen as truly disgusting and still lovable. Like, we were never allowed to be really vulgar and crude and gross and shit on the street. Like, yeah. it was just... It was the first time I ever felt like I'd seen my friends on camera. Ah, oh, great. You know, like, this is what... Women are disgusting. We're fucking foul. We say disgusting things. Like, my friend was looking at this drummer on stage the other day and she was like there's a face I should sit on. Like, you know, like we, like this way in which we're like projected as these like sort of either ingenues or these like sexy vixens who never speak out of turn and we never poo and we never fart. Like, don't even really know what a toilet's for. It's just there in a room in which we can look sexually into the mirror at our beautiful faces. Um, It was great. It was real women and it was women in comedy and it was truly hilarious. And I was looking around in in the crowd and I was seeing men cry with laughter in a genre that we'd been told women would never succeed at so while i know that's quite a feminist stance on things unapologetically it just as a young girl who'd loved comedy so much but all of my comedy heroes have been men like will Mm. smith and eddie murphy and jim carrey and robin williams i didn't have any women to look up to yeah and it just blew my mind wonderful it's a fucking wonderful film it's a wonderful, wonderful film and they could not have delivered any better than they did yeah. and, like, proven the point that women have a place in comedy and that also we poo. Deal with it. Um, oh, your, like, your little face. I've forgotten how much you hate poo. Yeah, little, You winced like a little oyster. Maybe so. Like, I've just poured lemon on you and you're a, a little shame. oyster. It's a shame you had to spoil it. <laughs> <laughs> with that. I mean, you no. don't, though, do you? Well, it's, no, it's, I mean, I've been on the bus. There's nothing. There's well, no evidence of it. I've done it. I've done it. Uh, <laughs> he started, like, scratching his face like he's having a, an allergic reaction. I went to a... Uh, I'm, I'm telling you, there's no story in this other than I went to this house in the LA yeah. uh, thinking I was just seeing some people and then walked into the kitchen and there was Kirsten Wig and I'm such oh a fan gosh. that I I literally just went, hello. And, and she was just a person yeah. at this thing. And she said, Hello. And then I was the most awkward I've been in years. And I sort of went, oh, where, do you, uh, where, do you li- where do you live? And she went, Silver Lake? And I went, East? And she went, yeah. And then I sort of just made a drink in silence. I was like... I think I was at that same house party. I think that's where we met the first time. And I remember my exact words to her were... And then she turned around and looked at me. I looked at her and then I just walked off. That's so, it. it. My exchange managed to be even more pathetic than yours. <laughs> that poor woman, the loneliest woman at that party, no one could have fucking yeah, she, hold a no, conversation truly, with her. Truly so lonely yeah. at that party. Everyone was losing too intimidated. Yeah. yeah. We all just wanted to sort of get down on our knees. <laughs> well, there, thank is, you. there is a great joy in mediocrity that people just <laughs> underestimate. <laughs> you can have Look chats at, at parties. Yeah. People will talk to us, yeah. no fear. Everyone's talking to me. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, mate. Yeah, all right. <laughs> no one's intimidated. Yeah. That was a great answer. Who did you see it with when you saw I it? I saw it with my boyfriend at the time. Okay. And he had been a bit 
reticent about coming to watch it and he almost died laughing like yeah. i'd never i'd never actually seen him laugh that much he was just streaming with tears so were loads of men in the audience and so many women and it just it it made me believe in comedy and i think i attribute that to a big part of why i was willing to even put myself forward in comedy is because yeah. of those women well wow. yeah so it really like did literally change my life I never believed that there'd be a place for me. And I also, like, as a Channel 4 presenter, um, not because of Channel 4 necessarily, but, like, writers that I had in different shows that I would do, at, even at different networks, I was always told that I was the girl, I wasn't funny, I'm just supposed to be fashionable and sort of shut up. And I was explicitly told that by male writers. Mm. And so, you know, it really does go in, you internalise that feeling of, like, women can't be funny, women can't be funny. And so they can. So, yeah. Uh, beautiful answer. Uh, what is the film that... Are you looking at my little list of... <laughs> no, I'm trying not to look because... Okay, okay so what is the film that you found the sexiest? I found The Breakup very sexy. I love The Breakup. I love that film. I think that's another and massively underrated film. Vince Vaughn can fully get it. Like, yeah. he can get it. <laughs> I love him in that film. Uh, I think they are both incredibly sexy, and it's such a strange, tense movie uh, about this endless breakup that goes yeah. on between... And Jennifer Aniston is just phenomenal. She's such an underrated actor that I can't yeah. even bear it, just because she's a, she's like, I don't know, She's we always see her as Rachel and we always see her as attractive. But she has some of the best, even on Friends, some of the best comedic timing I've ever seen in my yeah. life from anyone. And uh, their their chemistry in that film is just palpable, and and I wanted to climb Vince Vaughn like a tree. Wow, have you met him? I haven't, thank God. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's just like he's very. It's a very funny and sexy film. It's the sexiest way I've ever seen that kind of dynamic done. The last uh, thirty seconds. That's in my. I love the last thirty seconds of the film. Beautiful yeah. and ambiguous. Beautiful, and, ambiguous. Yeah, sexy. Leaves it up cool. to you. You're yeah. like, ah, oh, yeah. sexy wink. Absolutely. Great. I love great it. Great answer. I think they're both unbelievably sexy people. Yeah. That was a great casting. Like, unbelievable casting in that film. I think that's... Also John Favreau. And what Vincent a legend. Dun, 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 yeah. Funny yeah. in it. Funny. But, but John Favreau in that film... Yeah. ...is so unbelievably funny uh, in all of their bar scenes... That's some of the most. Like, I've, I, I rewatch that bar scene all the time, and have genuinely done yeah. this. Um, I have played that scene at the end where John Favreau is bollocking Vince Vaughn about being yeah. a selfish twat. I've shown that scene to boyfriends in order to illustrate to them why I think they are being a twat. Right? Because John Favreau just does it better than I ever could. It's quite ahead of its time, actually, that So film. ahead of its time. It is. It was It's all the stuff we're talking about now, and it was like 10 years yeah, ago. Yeah, I love oh. it. I love that film. Bring back the breakup. Exactly. Again, I think a lot of people haven't seen it. People missed yeah. it. Yeah. I also think, genuinely, now we're talking about it, I think it was ahead of its time. I think one of the reasons it wasn't well-received is people were like, what am I watching? No, absolutely. It's a film about toxic masculinity. Yeah, and it didn't, also didn't give you the big rom-com ending. No. And I think people, oh, yeah, people don't like shied, shied away from that. It kind of, you know, it played with you. The whole film just yeah. plays with you throughout the whole thing. You just, you, you're on the edge of your seat, just not knowing what's going to happen to this love, and also just watching mistakes that we all make. Yeah, it's just people who didn't kill love; they just let it die. 
Beautiful. Um, now, the subcategory of this question, <laughs> again, uh, just to be clear, uh, I now say this every week, I want to get rid of this question, but the people at home do not want it <laughs> to go. So it stays here. I, like wide honest, truly. And I thought my, yeah. you would be fine with this. Of all the guests I've had, I thought words. you're not going to mind yeah. it. The subcategory is called Troubling Bonus, Worrying Wide yeah, Ones. What is the film word. you found arousing, but you, you thought probably shouldn't? I'm so embarrassed by this answer, but I wanted to be honest with you because you're my friend. Thank you. Uh, Ace Ventura. And I have a reason for this. Yes. Obviously, that film's problematic in so many ways. It hasn't like dated necessarily aged very well. But when he talks out of his ass, when he bends <laughs> over and talks <laughs> using his buttocks yes. as a mouth, I thought that was the funniest thing I'd ever seen. And that was the first time I realised that my attraction to men is explicitly linked to humour. Explicitly and almost predominantly linked yeah. to humour. Like, I, none of the men I've ever fancied are, like, sort of the goslings or those sort of guys. You know, it's yeah. always been Will Smith, Jim Carrey, Hugh Grant, uh, just... Vince Vaughan. Yeah, Vince Vaughan. Like, it's or John Favreau, yeah. you know, I cl- climb him. Yeah. Love him. Um, and so it was always the funnies. I have a I have a funny bone in my vagina. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> That's the only bone yeah. I went in there. Yeah. And I, I've only ever dated funny men. And so you saw Ace Ventura talk out of his arsehole when you went... I was like, I'm oh. going to marry him. Like, I am yeah. 100% going to marry that man. Like, that is hot. He is hot. He's so uninhibited and hilarious. And that feeling of of in me, that tickle inside of laughter just for some reason became that same tickle of sex. So that is that was the my most inappropriate. Have you... I've just remembered a film that, again, forgotten in time. Love and Sex. It's called Love and Sex, and it's got Jean, Jean Favreau. I just said it like he was French, Jean Favreau. Yes, I have seen that and film. And Famke Janssen. Yeah. And it's basically like a Woody Allen film, but with a woman instead of Woody Allen. Yeah. And he is like the sexy alpha in it. And I remember watching it going, like, he's so good because he's so sexy and in control and you go oh, i totally see why she's leaving everyone oh yeah yeah oh john favreau is he's definitely brilliant. sexy he's yeah. great he was also amazing in friends um that yeah. was a, that was a great performance of his and he's just he's brilliant in everything that he does i love him yeah he's yeah. great hello john if you're listening hello I'm john Vince. uh yeah <laughs> if you're also uh, my boyfriend if you're listening i still love you more than any of these people and i would not actually give it to to, to them <laughs> <laughs> you what to them your funny bone no yeah my, my, my funny funny bone <laughs> uh, okay now objectively go on what's the greatest film of all time objectively it might not ob- be your favourite but you go objectively I've got two uh, we'll oh. discuss them both and then you'll pick one okay The Colour Purple okay I think is a masterpiece that yep. you cannot watch without accepting that that is a work of art and the most extraordinarily moving story with perfect performances all around. It was also the sort of like moment that we all really took Oprah Winfrey seriously as an actor and Whoopi Goldberg being non-comedic and so extraordinarily moving. So I think that it is one of the most powerful and well done, well filmed uh, and perfect movies. But then I was wrestling. I, I sat with this for maybe an hour thinking about this. And, but The Truman Show, to me, is also oh, yeah. a perfect film. 
and a film that has aged so beautifully and was so, I mean, talk about ahead of its time. Mm. That was the most ahead of its time film I think I've ever seen. Yeah. Because who would have thought that we would now be in this like full Big Brother culture, reality TV obsessed, like living Mm. for a highlight reel and the emotion within that film and how it was executed and Ed Harris and that scene at the end where he he's sailing off and he hits the wall, the painted sky. And so I've been... I've been so horribly torn between those two. And I obviously like Godfather and like Casino and all these great films that exist out there. Once Upon a Time in America, a masterpiece. But The Colour Purple stood out to me as the first time I'd ever really seen a film that I couldn't, I couldn't fault in any single way that had taught Mm. me about this whole other world that I had not, also wasn't, no one made films about African-American people or about that experience. And so to make me feel like I could somewhat understand a doorway into that experience uh, was just, yeah, it was very, very cool. So that's a great movie, but also The Truman Show is a masterpiece to me. Peter Weir? Yeah. Second most underrated director of all time? I'd say so. Yeah. After Rob Reiner? Yeah. Yeah. All right, thank you. Also, Charlie Kaufman doesn't get spoken about enough. He's not a director, Oof. but I'm just saying. Well, he, he directed One of the Greats, Synecdoche in New York. Oh, I haven't seen that. Isn't that bad? So good. I don't know why I haven't seen it. No. But I heard it's great. You'll love it. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to pick uh, The Colour Purple out of that list. Thank you. You're going to pick the what? The The Colour Purple? Purple. Fair enough. Um, Now, what's um, the film that made you laugh the most? You're in comedy. What's the funniest one? The film that made me laugh the most was something about Mary. Is it? Yeah, that was the film that I remember... I'd never seen anything like that at that time. And it was sort of like kicked off a new genre of ridiculous movies that kind of, you know, we'd moved away from those old fashioned farce movies, you yeah. know, like the like Neil Simon's films or, yeah. you know, you had the odd couple. And that was, there was a moment of true prolific farce in comedy and that had gone away for a while. We'd all gone a bit serious and those boys brought ridiculous back to the screen and also like really made the world aware of Ben Stiller and the comedic genius that he is. And also Cameron Diaz. Hilarious. Yeah. Come in hair. Who would have thought? Come in hair. Absolutely. It was just, it was a, it was a, I, I think that was truly one of the most hysterical films where I remember that, that dick in the zipper scene made me, I had to rewind it maybe nine times because I couldn't hear anything that was being said because I couldn't like see because I was street, my eyes were streaming and I was screaming with laughter every single time. Uh, I'd never it was just so explicit it was such gross yeah. absurd it was such an absurd movie so I love that film are you well, disappointed because, in my no answer? no I'm not I'm just remembering that scene and that that they I remember that they, it spends a very long time talking about Franks and Beans is it the Beans or the Franks, yeah, Franks exactly. and then and then you see it but they hold off. You you don't think you and never you think, think you're, you're going to see, see it. it. Yeah. And then the screams yeah. when you do is so amazing. And there's so many funny moments mm. in that film. It's so ridiculous. Yeah. It's such a great story. Also, Chris, what's his face? Uh, English. Chris, Ev- not Chris Evans. Lee Evans. No, Lee Evans. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. How amazing is oh, yeah, he yeah. in that film? The guy is in it. Yeah. He's Norm. You know, the pizza guy. Yeah. And it's this film about sociopaths. It's about losers. It's about love. It encapsulates so many different parts of, like, the fuck-ups of society. Yeah. And it's is just... It, I, I watched it recently on a plane. I was showing it to my boyfriend who'd never seen it before, and so we watched it together. And uh, it holds up as just an extraordinary piece of, like, really unpretentious filmmaking. And I, I had a theory about it that it's so sort of extreme, the, yeah. the gross stuff and the funny stuff. 
that unusually for a romantic comedy, I wasn't sure they were going to get together at the end. No. Because I thought, well, it's so, like, kind of edgy, this film. Yeah. They might not. No. And when she oh, ends up with... the dog? Drugging the dog? Yeah, drugging the dog. <laughs> <laughs> the old lady. Old lady. Oh, it's so many layers. Yeah. Hitchhiker. It's a joy. It's a joy. Oh, the hitch... S- fucking seven-minute abs. Yeah. Seven minute abs. <laughs> um, so I love, I love something about Mary, and I'm so glad to have watched it 20 years later and seen that it 100% holds up. I'm so pleased. And it's been copied and sort of yeah. like in so many different ways and sort of bastardized in so many different ways. Uh, but it also kind of gave birth to loads of great, a kind of like a new avenue of comedy. And I, I, don't, I don't know if like Judd Apatow could have happened and uh, Seth Rogen and Jonah Hill without something about Mary. That is the mothership. Fair. Also, the songs. Great songs. That's never it. been done again. Yeah. It was too good to ever recreate. It was too good. And his pout. Yeah. That singer's pout that haunts me to this day. <laughs> I can actually see it right now. Great answer. Um, what is the film that you could or have watched the most over and over again? Or is it Terminator? No. I mean, I have actually probably watched The Terminator more times than anything else. But if I could choose, yeah, you can it choose. would be a film that I can't seem to have stopped watching over the last couple of years is Four Lions. Oh, that is a fucking great film. I think it is truly one of the great British yeah. masterpieces of all time. I think it, like is, it, it is as good and should be considered the same as Life of Brian. I think 100%. they're the two like, yeah. greatest And with Nail and I, like, it's, just, it's, yeah. it's up there with, it's, it's the most, one of the most iconic movies ever. Yeah. And uh, Chris Morris is a freak. <laughs> <laughs> and Riz Ahmed's straight man performance in that is so ridiculous. Old face tracker, K-Van. Incredible, but truly, yeah. I think the MVP of that film is is Nigel Lindsay as Barry, the white yeah. uh, extremist, <laughs> who's yeah. like the most aggressively uh, sort of <laughs> the most ex- like uh, aggressive terrorist of any of them is is the white convert. Yeah, it's so fucking funny. It's funny from the beginning until the end. Yeah. And the jokes are so left field. And it's such an unfun... Like, how dare they try and make a comedy about something so serious and then go on to just execute it so perfectly. Mm. Execute, no pun intended, but it was incredible. And a really but, genuinely moving ending. It's pref- it's like... I do think it's like Life of Brian in that it's like tremendous yeah. satire. It's funny, 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 funny. But it's also fucking profound. It's like a oh, it genuinely... Really profound film i can't believe that film and i it it never wears off i've seen it maybe maybe 50 times yeah or more great at least i watch it all the time i love it's it's the film that i enjoy showing to people the most i love it. it's the one that just sort of sets off all my light bulbs yeah uh and so i uh i think that film just never ever gets enough praise and and kudos to film four who i think are the ones that brought us that film Thank you, Film Four. Yeah, thanks, thank Film, you, film four. four. Truly, uh, thank you, Chris Morris. Thank for you, Chris Morris. Having just the biggest balls yeah. <laughs> in the world. Really, yeah. Truly. I think he was getting an awful lot of death threats before it came out. Yeah. In the same way that. Yeah. But he'd also like made a comedy episode about a paedophile. So I mean, he yeah. he was never one to shy away from controversy. But yeah. the, but to make a film in the time that he made it about terrorists and and create a sort of sympathetic dialogue around them and also perfectly perfectly. Uh, illustrate 
the power of being indoctrinated yeah. and being manipulated into something. But it's also, they say the other reason it's like love, right, is it's taking this thing that is real and going, but just think about it a bit. So it opens with a fake, with yeah. them doing their uh, threatening videos. Yeah. But then off camera, one goes, your, your gun's gun. really small. Yeah. <laughs> and it's the same as like, in Life of Brian, there's the Sermon on the Mount and there's just the reality of people at the back couldn't hear it. No, I know. They'd be going, what's he saying? And that's like, it's such a great sort of just making this thing that was, what's the word, you know, uh, meaningful and big, but making it real life. In real life, you couldn't hear him. And yeah. in real life, they'd have done a few takes on Absolutely. these scary videos. Yeah. Brilliant. I love it so much. I love it so passionately. I um, Also, the scene... I can't remember his name, the actor who has the beard, the complete genius. Oh, he's the his name. He's just so incredible. And yeah. his death is so fucking funny. Yeah. But also when he's covering his... I mean, if you've seen this film, you'll find this funny. But it's where he's... Where to, in order to cover his beard as a disguise, he just held his hands over his mouth for the CCTV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a masterpiece. Now, on the other end of the scale, I don't like to be negative. So we'll be has anyone good. chosen for lines? No, yeah. okay. I'm really pleased That's it's come sacrilege. up. Uh, what is the worst film of all time? Twilight. <laughs> Fuck that movie. <laughs> Sorry, I know I'm going to get loads of like dead rats yeah, sent to me in the post, but I don't this care. I can't, I will not, I refuse. I'm so angry. I was forced to go and see it because I was like a T4 presenter and so we had to go oh, interview right. them. I was forced, forced with almost a gun to my head and I had to watch it because I came late. I had to sit in the front row. Oh no which meant that I was right by the speakers and just, like, having to, like, sit my neck strained upwards looking at that. Just, frankly, appalling acting <laughs> and a bad film. And I know it wasn't really made for me because I was, like, 25 and it was really predominantly for teenagers. Yeah. But, uh, no, no, I've seen better teen films. My day, people in my day, we had Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Like, we in your day. Yeah. We had the kid from Home Alone getting killed by bees. Exactly, yeah. And then grown men breaking into his house and terrorising him. Yeah. That was the good old days. <laughs> That's how you made feel yeah. for teens. Yeah. With the craft. The craft? We had the craft. craft. Great. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah, none of this wishy-washy bullshit. Um, <laughs> Sorry. I mean, I... Uh, I really I, like I Ro- Robert Pat. He seems like a really nice guy. Yeah, uh, and he's a good actor. Yeah, it's not... It's like, he's, he's great he's, in I good times. I think Stewart's a really good actor too. I haven't, I haven't really seen her or anything else, but uh, Good Time is a great film, a uh, great performance from Robert Patterson, but no to that movie. And I, I, th- I think they agree. Have you seen the other two? Did you uh, have to? Did you get made to watch them? Other oh, four, three. I walked out during the second one. Okay. Yeah. I only found out. Recently I am a that. dick, though. Like, also, if, like, I can't just give it a chance. I, like, I have yeah. to leave the cinema. But you watched the first one. I think that was. Yeah. I didn't realize that in the end, a werewolf pledges his love to a baby. Yeah. And then fucks it a week later or something, yeah. and then it grows up. But it grows up in a week. The whole thing seems... Uh, it's very, very upsetting. Seems very disturbing to no, me. No, like, I'm so angry with their box office sales like, versus, like, Four Lions' box office sales. It really, uh, like, hurts yeah. me in my heart. What is the film that you most relate to? Where you're like, that's me, that is the vibe, the character, the story, something about it. It's Ben Stiller in Meet the Parents. You're Ben Stiller in Meet I the Parents. I am Ben Stiller in Meet the Parents. You that is my whole Gaylord Fok- life. Fokker. I am Gaylord Fokker. I... <laughs> have never felt more seen or more heard in my life than when I watched that film. Just And also the character that he then kind of went on to play in every film around yeah. that time, of just sort of this uptight disaster monger. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that, is, that is my life. 
Like, I'm so clumsy. The He'd worst possible things happened to me. Yeah, 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 yeah. At the uh, audition for The Good Place, I, I did a little poo and the flush came off my hand and uh, I couldn't flush the poo and I had to, like, hide the flush somewhere. You know, it was just... And I almost had to pick it up and throw it out the window, but I didn't. Like, I had to use my teeth as a wrench because it was like a little Allen key sticking out of the toilet where the flush would have been. So I used my teeth as a wrench and managed to pull it back and it flushed away the little poo. But, like, yeah. that is exactly the kind of thing that would happen to Ben Stiller. I always say the wrong thing at the wrong time. I upset everyone. I'm never cool. And I hadn't seen anyone uh, like that before in life or on screen. And I felt so represented. So thank you, Ben Stiller, for that. Thank you, Ben Stiller. Yeah. That's great. It became He made it lovable to be a fuck-up. Yeah. Great film. Great Really, film. really good film. Oh, my God. I, I have nipples, Greg. Can you milk me? <laughs> <laughs> Robert De Niro. Really good De Niro, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. One of the last great De Niro. It was, the, it was the first funny De Niro. Yeah. I think. Yeah. And then I think then he went on to do Analyze That because... And Rocky and Bullwinkle. Yeah. Didn't watch that. Mm. Soz. It's okay. Maybe it's our serendipity. We don't know. Um, you have been, as expected, an absolutely brilliant guest. Thanks. Uh, however. Oh, God. When you ate $700 worth of haagen yeah, yeah. that you paid for fair and square, <laughs> and then you farted yourself off the balcony, mm-hmm. you landed down the hill, you were rolling down the hill, you're never going to guess what. You fucking hit a tree which had a uh, bee's nest in it. It wasn't the fall that killed you. You hit this fucking bee's nest and the bees, as oh, predicted, God. killed you. They were your final bit. I mean, you were in a state, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that you'd have survived anyway, but the bees finished you off. Yeah. So I've gone down there. We've gone down there. You're a mess. Oh, your whole, everything's swollen because a, of the A car hit me on my way down. A car hit you on the way down. You're a I'm a puddle. Base. I'm just a puddle with a fringe. You're a puddle. There's bits of wood and like California Lung. tree all over you and stuff. Yeah. I've scraped. I've literally had to dig up parts of the hill just to try and get all of you together. I've put you in the coffin. I've stuffed you in, but there's, li- there's bits I couldn't get off you that weren't part of you, but they're all there. So I was just stuffing you all in the coffin. And there's a lot more of you than we expected. And that's not, no, no, it's, uh, that's not about you. That's about what was stuck to you when you died, right? So we put you in this coffin that was meant to be the size of you, but there was more of you. So it's ended up stuffing you in this coffin. There is no room in the coffin other than there is just enough room to slide one DVD in the side. You can take with you to the other side. On the other side, every night is movie night and one night is your movie night. What film are you taking to show the people on the other side? I'm still torn about my answer for this. Yeah. I think it's going to be The Truman Show. Great answer. I love that film. What a treat. It is the, like, and also it, that film has instilled paranoia in every, that entire generation of people. We all think we might be, especially me, like yeah. English teacher one day just gets yeah, a job on T4, one in. day starts a show on, moves to America and first audition got, works yeah. opposite Ted Danson. I don't fucking think so. I don't buy into it. Yeah. I know that you're a prop. This podcast You're does a, not exist. You are, no, this isn't a real thing. Nothing's no. real. And I look in the mirror and I still feel like I'm reenacting that scene where he sort of draws with the soap and he pretends to be a little She's on to us. It has never made me feel okay again. That uh, film. It's so genius. It just yeah. got inside my bones. And so uh, I would say The Truman Show. I love everything about that film. It's 100% perfect and it brings me great joy. And it has never, it hasn't aged a day. And you can look at Jim Carrey and imagine him talking out of, his ass and giving you yeah he's still in it yeah he's still fit um yeah old natasha's in it she's great yeah yeah i love that film laura linney what a genius performance brilliant 
It's incredible. It's an iconic movie. And it's the only film that I could imagine myself watching again and again and again for eternity. Okay. That's excellent. Thanks. Jamila Jamil. Yeah. Uh, you've been more than wonderful. Is there anything you would like to say to the listeners before I send you away? I'm, well, I'm doing a season four of The Good Place, which is a very nice show on Netflix and E4 in England, if you Don't want really to watch it. it. Um, it's it's quite nice. Uh, Ted Danson's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Uh, I managed to not completely ruin the show, so don't worry about me. Yeah, um, she's very good at it. I'll say it. No, I said it. <laughs> okay, well, uh, I'm fine. Uh, but that's a good show. And other than that, I'm sorry, sorry for anything I said. <laughs> that's how I leave every room. <laughs> um, thank you for having me. Thank you for doing this. It means a lot to me. It's very generous of you to give me your time. And uh, I hope that you continue to save the world. And I hope that your legacy is not fighting yourself to death off the balcony. Well, it's too late. It's happened. Yeah. Okay. Well, right, get out of my house. Go. Thank you for having me. I send you to the other side with uh, Truman Show. Good day. So that was episode 36. Head over to patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein to access the extra 20 minutes of chat with Jamila, help support the show and get guest list tickets, recommendations and all that good stuff. If you do enjoy this show, please subscribe and give it five stars and a nice review for the simple reason it helps our numbers, makes more people get to hear it. I can keep making it. You can keep listening to it. We can keep doing this over and over and over and over and over again until we all die all the internet explodes or the world explodes. Thank you. Thank you so much to Jamila for doing this. Thank you to Scroobius Pip and the Distraction Pieces Network. Thanks to Buddy Peace for producing it. Thanks to ACAS for hosting it. Thanks to Adam Richardson for the graphics. Lisa Lydon for the photography. And thank you all for listening. Mm, that is it for now. Next week's guest... Ooh, I haven't decided who'll be on next week, but I tell you what, you're going to bloody love it, whoever it is. Thank you for listening. Have a good week. And please be excellent to each other. Sometimes I dream of becoming an actor. Have you ever dreamt of becoming an actor? Maureen, what is it you think I'd do for a living? Never mind. Sounds like you need the New York Film Academy. NIFA offers workshops, BFA and MFA degrees and summer camps in filmmaking, acting, journalism and more online and on campuses across the globe. To make films alongside industry professionals, explore more at nyfa.edu. Thanks, Brett. Thank you, Maureen. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.